0: Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lean In Pod. Help everyone is doing well and is getting ready for the holiday season. Today, I have an amazing guest with me, John Luca. He's an alumni at Ryerson and is currently a medical student at McMaster. He runs a YouTube channel called Next Gen MD I got you that little promo going on to help motivate and teach people about school and fitness. So feel free to join us in a conversation where we'll get to know a little bit about one of our alumni.
1: So uh, thank you so much, Gianluca, for coming by. Pleasure to have you. No problem, Stephen. Thanks so much for the invite. Really appreciate coming on the podcast with you. And I hope everyone that's listening is having a great day so far. Cool, cool. So can you give us a little brief introduction about yourself for those that um, don't recognize your name? Definitely. Yeah. So my name is John Luca. I am a third year uh, medical student at McMaster Medical School. Um, for those of you that don't know, McMaster is a three year medical program. So this is my final year. We're applying for a residency right now. So it's a little bit of a stressful time, but uh, we're trying to get through as best we can. And we still are making the best out of it. Uh, I was a former Ryerson student. So I actually I did five years at Ryerson. I did biomedical science and I uh, had a really great time at Ryerson. Um, and for those of you there, hopefully you're finding the exact same thing that I saw.
0: Yeah, Bob might represent. So um, you went to Ryerson, but you go to McMaster. Which uh, which campus do you go to? Do you mind me asking?
1: Yeah, so I'm at the, uh, the Niagara campus from McMaster, Niagara. NRC. And it's actually up in St. Catherine. So the name's a little bit confusing, but we are on the Brock University campus up there.
0: Cool. Okay, so that's Toronto. Then that's St. Catherine. So where do you call home?
1: <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> right now I'm kind of mobile. We're kind of moving all over the place, but I, I grew up in Vaughan. Uh, oh, cool. The Woodbridge area. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I was here all my life. Even when uh, I was at Ryerson, I used to commute from Vaughn. From Vaughn? And- yes. So it was, it was two buses and a subway. Mm-hmm. And it would take me like an hour and a half. And I still remember those clicker questions. I don't know if that still happens. In the, <laughs> the class at 8 o'clock and a professor had those clicker questions. And at 8.05, I was sweating trying to get the class.
0: <laughs> oh man. Don't remind me clicker questions. I thought yeah. that, that, that's a fever dream. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah those are the pros of uh being in school online now i guess you could just kind of zoom right in and yeah, click it up, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> so how did you find yourself at ryerson well because you're you're from vaughn so you had some other I'm, i believe you had some other choices there like york and i'm sure you had some other choices maybe outside of toronto so why yeah. ryerson
1: my top three choices were york university u of t and ryerson um and for those of you listening and you're gonna you're gonna kind of pick out the ryerson bias in my voice as i'm talking here but i wanted to be downtown for undergrad because of the, the vicinity to the hospitals. And the UHN hospitals are top class and they had a lot of volunteer opportunities. Now in Vaughan, we have the brand new hospital uh, right by Canada's Wonderland. Back in when I was in school, they didn't have it. Um, So I did want to be downtown and get to experience the downtown experience for a little bit to see if it was for me. So that basically ruled out York and nothing against York, but then it was (laughs) Ryerson and U of T. And given the opportunity to go to Ryerson or U of T, I very quickly decided to go to Ryerson instead. I thought it was a much better choice for me. And it's a uh, decision that I've never regretted. I really enjoyed Ryerson a lot more than personally I think I would have at, at U of T for the time.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no university slander here, especially uh, grade 12s are doing their their applications right now. So it's a pretty interesting time right now, too. So pretty cool. Was
1: so Ryerson for me, right, like I mm-hmm. really enjoyed when I took a tour, I took a tour of both campuses and I really liked that Ryerson seemed to break their campus up all over the downtown area. Yeah, like, yeah. You had two classes in that AMC, I think it's AMC, the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we had a few classes on the actual main Ryerson campus and then yeah. a couple on the brand new. Back when I was there, it was the brand new engineering building, right? Yeah. Uh, they yeah. had just started it like like two years before I got there. Uh, I was really impressed with the campus.
0: Yeah, then now you see like the Mars Institute, you have um, the SDZ buildings, all the zones and stuff. Like, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of booming down there, so... Definitely. and Represent, yeah. <laughs> so um, let's backtrack a little bit. So, John um, Luca and Vaughn, when he was growing up, what did you want to be as a kid?
1: Definitely. Uh, this is a good question. When I was a kid, I tell the story a lot. So, my dad was uh, a bricklayer, you know, construction, and mm-hmm. my mom worked as a receptionist at a uh, a local compressed air company. Oh, and okay. my, Yeah, my, my dad always told me when I was little, he said, uh, I. Do not care what you're going to do when you grow up, as long as you're happy. But he goes, just whatever you do, don't work outside because we live in Canada and it's cold out there. And yeah, I remember yeah. thinking that uh, it, w- it was really nice that I kind of had free reigns to do whatever. So my short list at the time was I either wanted to do something teaching wise or even being a lawyer. That was like when I was still in elementary school way, way back. But then mm-hmm. right, right around the high school time was when I really started getting into science and the basic sciences. And I really enjoyed biology. I just noticed it was the subject that I would put the most work into. And because I put the most work into it, I would do really well. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? In this case, it it was interesting to me. So I worked hard and I had good results because of it. So I thought what I wanted to explore was something along that line. And then from there, I just really liked the concept of not only learning about stuff like that but then being able to teach it and talk to people about it and read things and communicate and it was all these roles these different things mm. that I thought worked perfectly with being a doctor so it was really I would say when did I make the decision to kind of get into medicine it was probably like 12th year of a uh, high school or first year of university right around there is when I, I kind of decided
0: cool yeah did you um just curious, did you ever kind of like go off of that path during university or in high school? Like, did you, Were you like, oh, I don't know about like becoming a physician, maybe pursuing XYZ was better. Did you ever have those times in your undergrad?
1: Never. I never had um, a, a time where I thought I was going to be something else. The, the, the t- only time um, that I guess you could say a major roadblock that I had was when I was really getting ready to apply. This was like the beginning of third year. And I sat down to take an honest look at the requirements for medical school admissions here in Canada. Yeah, they hurt. That was really the first time I saw that. It was the first time in my life where I'm like, wow, this is insane. At the time, U of T was boasting a 3.96, and that's the converted average because Ryerson has the 4.3 free scale. But a 3.96 out of four was their average for applicants. And I said, like, you know, I'm nowhere near. Near that so it was really that was the first time where i was like wow i need to number one step my game up uh and number two maybe start thinking about if i don't get in the first or the second or the third cycle what comes next right mm. and, and that's um my, my advice there is to really take a look at the admissions criteria early on and um plan for success as soon as possible
0: cool Yeah. yeah yeah i hear you talk about about that all the time in your videos and stuff. I am I am a subscriber, so <laughs> it's
1: well, pretty man, cool to be
0: on this you. end of it. But um, yeah, um, talks a lot about like having that grit, but being sure that you look at the admissions and the numbers. The numbers are real and they're very scary. So yeah. how did you overcome that? How
1: did I overcome the the, the stats basically? Yeah, yeah. Stats, you, but... What do you do? Yeah. You, <laughs> you, step one is you write everything down. Right. You have to be realistic with yourself because there's no point and beating around the bushes and saying that, you know, everyone's getting in with these amazing marks. And I just, you know, I'm not going to try really hard and I'll still get in with that. What I did is I saw that my grades weren't cutting it at the time, right around that time, the start of third year, I was probably sitting at around, I think it was a 3.4 or 3.3 GPA Mm -hmm. the start of third year. And I said, wow, okay, um, I need to step it up. So what I did was I I focused uh, my time into taking less shifts at work because I was also working throughout my undergrad. Uh, I significantly cut down my hours I did something about my transportation situation so that I wasn't uh, taking multiple buses and subway so I was able to get myself a car and I really went um, to the next level with my studying I tried to be as organized as possible I started showing up to every class sitting in the front asking the questions that I need uh, it was kind of more so at that time that I realized the problem was with myself and not anyone else's fault. It's that Mm -hmm. I wasn't giving the necessary effort that I needed to And if there's one thing that I realized it's that there is no reason why, at least in my situation, other people could get those amazing marks, but I couldn't. So once I had that realization, it was, okay, it's not impossible. How do we make it happen? And that's kind of where we went from there.
0: Cool. Yeah. So taking that, was it more like a realistic approach towards like your situation that kind of made that change then? Or was it just kind of like, You got to like hype yourself up kind of thing or?
1: No, it was being totally realistic. Mm. It was, listen, I'm going around telling myself and everyone else that I wanted to be a doctor. And then that's not possible with my current trajectory, right? So what I did is I wrote everything down and I made a plan for myself. I was like, I'm going to give myself five years. And this is what I'm going to do every single year to make sure that I'm following the track that I need to do. And I talked about that in one of my videos a while back. But I really do think the most important thing that you could do is make that plan for yourself. See where you are now. See what the requirements are, and then make a plan that you could follow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's realistically the best way that you're going to go about it. Mm-hmm.
0: So I imagine this kind of motivated you to start up uh, Next Gen MD. Then, can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Definitely. I started uh, first as soon as I got accepted into medical yeah. school. <laughs> and if I w- if I didn't get accepted that summer, I was, I was planning to start it anyways. Because mm. going through the application process, you realize that it's like a lot of these things are like tips and secrets to applying. And where do I find this piece of information or that piece of information? And the American pre slash medical school scene on YouTube, they are killing the game down there, right? Yeah. There are so many yeah. people offering really helpful advice. And when I started doing it, there were a few Canadian med YouTubers, right? Uh, Violin MD is still one of my favorites, but she was more so already a doctor at that point. There was no one really in the pre-med scene. There was Kian MD vlog, and there was also uh, Jimmy. Now he does study MD. He used to be called MD prospect. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought that there was a niche for students that were applying right now. So I wanted to break down some different uh, admissions criteria and try to help students as best that I could. Um, And it works, you know, we got some great feedback on it. Uh, it, It's incredible to me how many people I've been able to talk to from like across Canada and just seeing the sheer volume because you hear about how competitive medical school is to get into. Right. And you only ever hear that side. It's almost like a pessimistic viewpoint of it. But when you're meeting all these people and you get to meet all these incredible people that are just like you and that are applying and now you're on the other end and you get to help them. it was really nice. I liked it. Yeah, it's really cool. I think
0: it's it's also cool that, like, yeah, everyone feels the same pressure of, like, those stats and stuff, but everyone has amazing stats regardless, like, even on, like, all those subreddits and all the forums, everyone's like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to get in, but they're getting, like, really nice stats, you have to have like, a good MCAT and stuff, so, like, it's really awesome how, like, you have a really nice community on there. I saw, like, the, the, the comments, people are commenting, you're replying to them and stuff, like, it's a really nice warm and fuzzy environment they got going on there <laughs> that's I the best do. way I can put it but
1: <laughs> yes I try my best to be as warm and fuzzy with the community as possible but.
0: so um, you kind of <laughs> alluded to this earlier but then um were you a good student in your undergrad
1: you know I was a much better student in well okay this is where you get to look <laughs> at yourself an imposter syndrome you have all these different things on paper yeah. I was a much better student in my third, my fourth, and my fifth years, right? Starting mm-hmm. from the second half of third year, I never got anything lower than an A minus. And in my fifth year, I got straight A pluses. In my fourth year, it was like straight A's with one A minus. So I got progressively better as time went on. And with harder courses, because that was another thing. If you're going to stick around for that fifth year, I couldn't fill it with bird courses. I needed to fill yeah, it with yeah. <laughs> and more advanced courses too, right? Yeah. So um, in that sense, on paper, better as time went on. But even from the beginning, I always... Enjoyed university. It was not my experience that, you know, totally acknowledging that university is not for everyone. School is not for everyone in general. Long periods of time spent studying, and, and some people do much better in a different environment, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, thankfully, it was an environment that I never had a problem with being in. Although, truth be told, I did have a problem waking up really, really early to go downtown. You know, if I had been up super late the night before trying to that study. hour and a half commute. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it weighs in on you
0: after a while, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So then, um, so let's go back to now. So what do you like best about your current position as a third year medical student? You, I think you just released your, your video about choosing your specialty and everything. So how right. was that experience and like your general position right now as a med student, like how are you liking that right now?
1: Okay. We're going to break it down to two different things. Number yes, one, yeah, please. how do I feel about being a med student right now, being a third year medical student? It's very nice being a third year medical student gets busier than being a second year student, but every year that goes by in medical school, you start to feel a little bit more comfortable, kind of, right? Because from pre-clerkship to to clerkship, in pre-clerkship, you're learning how to do like exams and it's classroom learning. It's very similar to like university, right? Mm -hmm. But then when you make that transition to clerkship for the first time and you're in the hospitals for the first time, first few rotations are kind of shaky, right? You got to kind of find your way around and get to learn how the whole process works. But now in third year, I feel like Am I a doctor? Am I ready to go and save people by myself? No, but I feel very comfortable in my role as a medical student and I'm confident in my abilities at this level. I Mm -hmm. feel like the school that I'm at um, has really trained me well. And uh, just the last few rotations have been really nice. So, so that's good. The <laughs> second part of your question was the, the decision for, for specialty. And that's, that's something it. that stresses all medical students the entire time that you're here. That's one criticism of the three-year program. When you're in medical school for three years instead of four years, you have one less year to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life, right? right it's just yeah. by definition. And thankfully, I was someone that very early on in clerkship was able to make the decision that it's either gonna be between family medicine and emergency medicine. And personally, Mm -hmm. I still think that I would be happy in either of those two roles. Right now, I've decided that I'm gonna be a family medicine doctor. And that's the only thing that I've applied to, uh, that I'm going to be applying to on the CARMS residency application. And I'm really excited for it. Just the the variety of what Mm -hmm. you get to do with family medicine. If you wanna work some rural emerge, you could do that. If you wanna do some low risk obstetrics and deliver babies, you could do that too. So it's it still feels like there's so much that I can incorporate into my practice it's really just how much time is there in a week to do it that's what I like best about it cool awesome yeah well good luck and
0: congratulations on making the the decision I remember watching like the earlier videos you you always be talking about like family versus emergency and like your thoughts behind it and it's really cool to see right now that you made that choice so good luck with all that
1: no yes thank you very much
0: so then um Let's say you're talking back to second year John and then you're able to give him any of the wisdom that you have right now. What would be yeah. the first piece of advice you would give him? Oh man, that's
1: a great question. Second year was the worst year for me school-wise. So I tell <laughs> second year Gianluca to drop statistics like yesterday. Drop it possible. <laughs> and take that course in the summertime That's right. because statistics is hard and you need it by itself so that you can focus all of your energy into that one course right Mm -hmm, yeah um and and also if if you're going to drop a course fill it with an elective so that you still have a full course load right but that was one of those subjects where i knew that i wasn't good going into it i knew that i needed some more work between the commute and working uh, as a lifeguard there was just way too much going on so i would say that's the first thing that I would do learn how to balance your schedule more properly. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I would say is that everything comes down to um, a little bit of sacrifice and what you're willing to give up for what you actually want. So the consequences of me not getting good enough grades in first and second year, meant that I stuck around for a fifth year to try to make up for it. Yeah. If I would have put in more work, if I would have given up a little bit more in second year, then it's possible that I wouldn't have to have been lost an additional year being in school. But at the same right. time, I don't think fifth year was lost for me. I learned a lot in that year. And I was the type of person that did like to enjoy myself with extracurriculars the entire time that I was in university. So that was a big part of my, my life too. So th- there's different ways that you could look at it. The last thing that I tell, you know, second year Gianluca is enjoy yourself in, in university, in high school, in medical school, in any place that you're at, I'm seeing the longer than I'm I'm sticking around here that this doesn't get easier ever. It gets progressively harder, right? Even when you're staff and you're not working those residency hours anymore, like you would be after graduating medical school, staff still have their own stressing situations that they have to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every year that goes by, I find myself saying, wow, I'm so busy right now. And then the next year after that, I look back and be like, damn, I wish I could have done (laughs) what I was doing last year right now. Right. So enjoy yourself all the way through it, it, within reason as much as you can. Really cool. So you you talked you touched on extracurriculars and stuff. So like what what were some things
0: that you did to kind of unwind um during your undergrad? Any things that you kind of carried on to medical school if you had time for that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I um you guys can't see right now, I don't think, but I am currently rocking my November mustache right now. We are on <laughs> day seven of November. And this is my tenth year doing November, actually. 10th so year doing that- it? Ten years strong. I started in high school, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Really? And, uh, yes, sir. So I did that all throughout undergrad. And uh, it was something that I got involved with the entire time. And now that I'm a medical school, I've been able to carry that through right now. Next Gen MD, which is the YouTube channel, we have uh, our team for November. is called the Face of Health. We have mm-hmm. like 68, I think, members right now from all across oh, wow. Canada, students from all over the place. And everyone that signs up for my team and that comes along with me, we have some optional meetups and stuff like that, too. They all get to use the experience when they apply to medical school. And I mm-hmm. verify every single person that's on the team. So I really like that because it's me giving back to the community. And it's also really just bringing awareness and raising some money for you know, a cause that's really close to my heart um in and, and undergrad like i told you i was volunteering at princess margaret hospital with the mm-hmm. uhn i taught salsa lessons salsa dance lessons. oh really fantastic story about that i was a lifeguard and then a first aid instructor and i worked up very high in aquatics i, I was uh in york region a, a supervisor of a different brand of a whole bunch of different oh, wow. branches here and then I, I did some fun stuff too i got heavily involved into skydiving I picked up snowboarding, I became a shark diver, scuba diver, uh, videographer, like all these little niche things that were more so for me, but made my application unique, I think in the Mm -hmm. end as well. For Anyone just listening to this for, you know, what do I need for med school, because let's be honest, there's probably a lot of you that would find this information really useful, what you need to look up as soon as possible, is called the CANMEDS rules, your extracurriculars need to fit into the framework provided by CANMEDS, you could Google that, and those are the most high reward extracurriculars for you to pursue
0: awesome can you tell me
1: about that salsa story you you got a
0: funny story about that.
1: yeah yeah me and my good buddy they went to Ryerson as well uh we one night went to a bar I think it might have been the Maddie if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken we were we went out one night and uh we were we were dressed as as best as we possibly could we had the button-up shirt going and whatever we could put together (laughs) we got there and we realized we're like we can't dance at all we have not the slightest clue what's going on so we (laughs) You know, we kind of realized that the flaw in our in our game plan. So we, uh, one day we're going through Groupon and we came across a $40 coupon for salsa lessons. And uh, we're like, we're going to go. We're not going to tell anyone about this. No one will ever know that we've been salsa dancing. <laughs> and, uh, we show up and sure enough, we show up for the level one class. And when I get there... We saw another one of my buddies who also went to Ryerson, except he was in level three. So he's already been doing it for a year. At yeah, he's time. been there for
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: a great salsa dancer. The first day we shot, we had such a good laugh. And then from there, I ended up doing salsa for another like three, four years. Um, and eventually I made it up to a point where I was able to teach beginner classes. And it was uh it was a good time, a really good oh, time. Oh wow, yeah, that's memorable with your buddy for sure.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So you have all of these like pieces of advice for a lot of students out there. And like, that's pretty much your YouTube channel. But um, if I were to ask you right now, what are some of the most transferable skills that students should have, whether it be applying to medicine, wanting to become a physician, or even just like in general in
1: life, like what do you think are the most transferable skills that we should have? Yeah, there's, there's two um, that I could think of just off the top of my head. And the first one is time management, mm-hmm. um, which is a skill that you continuously refine as time goes on right? And I've seen staff physicians get to the point where they could do a full day of clinic and, uh, you know, an on-call shift and still work in two telephone meetings that day and have a family. So it's really a lot that ends up going on there. And I think that that starts as soon as possible. And it makes your life so much easier when you're able to stick to a proper schedule very Mm -hmm. early on. The second thing that I've seen in myself, and maybe some people will agree with, and maybe some people won't, but for me, discipline is something that was so imperative to me. And it's how do I get myself up after a long day to sit down and study when every muscle in my body is telling me to take a nap? You know, right, yeah. when you really don't want to do something, how do I force myself up and not just that force myself to enjoy it? Because you learn a lot more when you can actually pay attention and not right. just stare at slides and click that arrow to go next um, so the discipline aspect and how you choose to, to refine that and work that into your own schedule and your own life, different people do it differently. Um, but I would say work on that as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. You're really big on that. Even behind you there, mindset is everything. Like, can you tell me a little bit yeah. about that?
1: This was just, I had nothing on this wall. Uh, oh, okay. I, <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm a fake YouTuber. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? I'm a regular, I'm a fake med student. I'm a fake YouTuber. I'm a regular guy. And as I started going along through here, I'm just learning all the tips and tricks and how do we fit into the culture that we are now assigned to. So that was really funny watching me try and set up some sort of YouTube studio. It's in my bedroom. Like I had nothing and I'm trying to put it together. How do I make myself presentable on camera? And -hmm. it was the same with with med school. I showed up there and this is, you know, the, I say I'm a fake med student. This is all the imposter syndrome because you get there. I didn't come from a family of anyone in medicine, right? I was the first one really that uh, me and my brother, Piero, who was also a Ryerson student, we said we wanted to go. And then we got here and into our separate schools. He's at Ottawa. And nothing against my colleagues, but, I'll, you know, you, you meet some people that come from a long lineage of doctors, right? So yeah. how do you fit in with that culture? And that's something that you need to learn for yourself. And then how much do I want to fit in? How much do I want to stand out? Right? That's another thing that you get to decide for yourself. This is just mindset is everything. Uh, I'm really into scuba diving. I love the ocean. I love all that stuff. Um, I'm a shark diver. So if, I don't know if you could see up here, but it's, uh, it's a goldfish, goldfish with a, a yeah. fin on the top of its head. Oh, okay, I knew was a shark from here. Okay, cool. Yeah, so even if even if you're not a shark, if you're just a goldfish, put the fin on your head, pretend you're a shark, do what sharks do, and eventually you'll you'll fit in and find your way. Interesting, yeah, interesting take on that. Cool. Yeah. So we're gonna move on to the little rapid fire
0: um sure question here. So we really should be short and simple. um In the past, like couple dozen um, podcasts. Some of them can get pretty long, but it's up to you. Just a little That's more lighthearted that. questions. Yeah.
1: Boom, boom, boom. Let's do it. So what fact do I do my peers know least about me? Hmm. I say that not many people know that I've done these little niche extracurriculars like scuba diving, skydiving, salsa dancing. That's the one. Cool. What famous person would you want to talk to? Will Smith. Any day of the week, all the time. He's someone that I think uh, I learn a lot from.
0: So you went to a lot of places. Um, what's your favorite food to eat? Uh, sushi by a country mile. By a country mile, cool. Yeah. Uh, complete the sentence.
1: If I wasn't going into medicine, I'll be going into blank. If I hadn't gotten into medical school, I would have been a construction worker, oddly enough. If I had the job lined up and everything, if, oh, I, wow, really? if I hadn't gotten accepted Yeah, because I had to start paying for my student loans that I accumulated. But now, if I was unable to get into medicine, uh, I feel like I would do something along the lines of a teaching position, uh, or maybe some sort of social media teaching and translation of basic literature for a general audience. I like the teaching cool. aspect. Cool, cool. So <laughs> looking at this question, it looks a little silly now, but what's the top thing on your bucket list? Top thing on my bucket list, I yeah. have uh, three actually um, that are all, we call them the, the trifecta when it comes to scuba diving. And One uh-huh. of them I'm going to be doing um, this coming December. I'm going to Norway to, to, fr- to free dive with the wild killer whales. That's number one wow. on my bucket list. Number two is going to be um, Mexico, the Bay of Guadalupe. Uh, for great white sharks cage diving and then the last one is the coast of south africa for the sardine run which happens every summer in july i believe so they're all scuba diving related and traveling and i really like that jesus you must be a fun friend to have too did you ever forcing your friends to do any, any of the stuff with you you know it's it's funny because um in the beginning i would try right i would try to get a, uh, some people to come with me and then it, it became one of those things where um I do normal things with my friends and yeah. these are all adventures that I go on by myself not because I wouldn't want anyone to come with me but just most of the time no one wants to travel with you to Norway and, and go live on a boat for four days and swim with the wild orca yeah. whale right so uh, <laughs> you learn to, to meet people when you're doing these things and I think that's really cool too like meeting people that you've never met before and seeing how they live I like that cool, cool. um so who's your uh favorite role model that you looked up to growing up I would say uh, between my parents and my grandparents, I had a lot of great mm-hmm. role models to look up to growing up. Sweet. Uh, I'm sure a few of you could relate to the whole immigrant story and yeah. seeing how hard the people that came before you had to work just for what you guys have today is, is something that I try my hardest not to forget moving forward. Awesome. Yeah. So what's your greatest achievement that you've um, earned so far? Oof it's a, academically my greatest achievement i would say even on top of of uh of med school is uh my mcat score i think yeah. <laughs> so when i got i got a 131 on cars yeah which um was when i saw that score and i, I had put so much time into studying and, and preparing and refining my yeah. cars score that I, I was really proud of that uh, my greatest achievement i i think um is my youtube channel believe it or not i think that that me being able to be in a position as some like normal kid to now you know i get messaged by people in india by people in south africa by mm-hmm. people all over canada right uh, and it's not a massive youtube channel like i'm not trying to be a big youtuber but it's yeah. it blows me away to, to get messages from people that i've never met before that know me or they they have this connection like they know me just from watching a few of my videos it's, it's really nice yeah but i mean like it's pretty intimate with your community and stuff too because you're not like super
0: big i'm not trying to say yeah. you shouldn't go really big but like it's pretty intimate <laughs> with like your replies and everything and like you can actually talk to people and like give like more in-depth advice and stuff which is really awesome
1: yeah thank you man
0: yeah so on the other side what's your greatest failure that you've uh, not earned but that you faced so far
1: yeah you know i think <sighs> I love watching Elon Musk interviews because he's always got a good answer for stuff like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was asked something like this not too long ago. Um, and it was along the lines of, you know, do, are they failures or are they just things that you learned from, right? Like, like where does the framing come into to place? Mm-hmm. So if you want to make it, you know, a negative point of view and say, where was my biggest failure? I guess my first and second years of undergrad academically would have had to have been my biggest failure. Yeah. Um, me writing the MCAT the first time and not being able to study and getting a 505 or a 507, not the score that I wanted was technically my biggest failure. But from those situations there, being able to take that and, and move forward and change who you are and, and develop a different plan. I don't think I'd be the person that I am today without those experiences. Right. 100%, so, yeah. Um, shaping who you are based off of your setbacks, I think, is pretty important. Cool.
0: So, um, you know, we we got a pandemic going around and stuff. What yeah. keeps you um? What keeps you up at night now?
1: Oh man, nothing. <laughs> nothing keeps me. Up. It, it's it's work. If I'm on call, that keeps me up at night. The paycheck. Very true. Yeah, but I should have. Uh, I should have thought this through. Yeah, You'll be sleeping. other than yeah. that, like when I come home after a long day, um, you know, if I have no homework to do, I'm crashing because uh, mm-hmm. this last week was kind of rough. we were just on orthopedic surgery, so I was doing. Between that and studying and applications for residency, getting that ready, like three hours a night is what I was working with for most of the night. Yeah. And th- that was like my sacred time. Like you could not wake me. My alarm could not wake me during those three <laughs> hours. Right. But uh, things that, that bother me, I, I think right now in the world, um, you know, I, I think that I can't help but look around and see sometimes that we're divided, right. I, I, as yeah. a people and, and, things that should never have been politicized are now heavily politicized Mm -hmm. and as a result you know people that have been best friends are now fighting over what could be the most trivial of of, of points right and obviously I I need to be careful with the way that I word things but I'm sure a lot of you are kind of picking up what I'm putting down here and what I see in the hospital and what it's a unique experience that I get to have, that I'm so lucky to have, that I get to see people towards the beginning and the end of their life. And in speaking with a few people, many people now towards the end, it seems like one of the most important things in life is the people connection and your friends and your relationships. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that when we're going through it. And sometimes it's too late after to fix those when it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of what, what, what I think about sometimes. Very cool. Not very cool, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it, yes. Yeah. Yeah, what do you say to something like that? Sorry that I got heavy, but that is... No, no, uh, it's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's just um, a lot of topics that that I feel like not only divided us, but maybe brought the wrong crowd, maybe wrong crowds together and stuff, but we'll leave it for another discussion.
1: Good idea. Yeah,
0: so... Um, John Luca, the man who's done, like, a million things, what's your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite hobby?
1: Oh, man, my my favorite hobby um, is videography and photography. I love, I love a creative outlook. I I think the nature of my work is such that like, like we we're pretty stressed a lot of the time and there's a lot Mm. of stuff we got going on that uh, I don't, I feel like I don't get to flex my creative muscle a lot in my, in my work. So when I get some time to even just basic photography, right. With, with your Mm. Nikon camera or your GoPro or your cell phone, i love that stuff um oddly enough i don't like selfies like i've been doing the instagram thing for a while too yeah and selfies are fun until it's your job to take selfies this is what i keep trying to tell people so that is my least favorite type of photography is pictures of myself especially when you do fitness stuff as well
0: i'm sure yeah yes
1: <laughs> Definitely. I did that challenge. I don't know if you saw, but I I was trying to get as shredded as possible while in clerkship because everyone had told me that you're going to go to med school and you're not going to be able to work out and you're going to gain like 40, 50 pounds. And I'm like, wow, this sucks. Right. So then I got here and I'm like, no, this is possible. I could do it. And uh, I tried to track like my body fat percentage and like a a few of those like metrics and basically through all my vlogs and how the training worked out. Mm -hmm. And it's it's weird. It it feels weird because you're not used to it. Right? Being on camera and trying to show things like that, but you you get used to it after a while.
0: Cool, cool. So, um, I mean, you went through admissions, you went through like all the countless exams you're doing right now, like hospital shifts and stuff. I mean, you skydived, but what's the biggest challenge that you faced so far?
1: The biggest challenge I faced so far is um, trying to stay, (laughs) it's a fine line that med students walk because you want to know everything you want to be operating at like a resident staff level right away. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's trying to make sure that you are exactly where you need to be in your learning right now. Right. And sometimes, you know, there's different expectations among preceptors. So uh, I find it really interesting that sometimes a, a preceptor will ask me a whole bunch of questions and I'll, I'll get them right. And the preceptor will be like, that's perfect. You're operating fantastic at this level. But sometimes I'll have another preceptor asking me like questions. That I have no idea what they're even talking about. And they're like, well, you, you should really be knowing this, but the, it, the expectations, what do I really need to know versus what will I know in two years when I'm a resident physician? Right. So it's, that's the challenge right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. Last question. Yeah. Uh, last question. Well, last question. What are you most grateful for? <laughs> Everything, dude. <laughs> I, uh,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: honestly, I, um, I don't I I don't want to get heavy on you guys Uh, so some bad stuff happened to me and my friend group this summer um Mm -hmm. and you know uh, mental health is so important for people and just ever since you know we lost one of my good friends this summer and just being able to bring everyone back closer together and trying to hang out with people as best as possible um you know, it, it's it's nice to, to be back with friends and to try and rekindle certain friendships. And, and, and people just kind of drift off. Like I'm 25 years old now. Some of these people I haven't seen in like 10 years basically, right? And it's sad sometimes that it, it takes something like that to bring everyone back together. But um, it's been a good time the, the last little bit trying to, to hang out with people in, in my off time, whatever off time I have left. Right. I'm grateful for being in medical school. I'm grateful for having made it through med school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm grateful for such an awesome support network. Like I can't even uh, quantify between my girlfriend, my parents, my brothers, my friends, and then supporters on YouTube that I feel like I've known you guys forever. Sometimes Uh, Mm -hmm. it's nice. It's very nice. Very cool. Yeah. And I'm sure
0: because like you, you're pretty involved with like Ryerson in general, like BCU and like a lot of the pre-med society events as well. I'm coming in to talk and like I'm sure I can. I I can't speak for them, but I'm sure that we're all super grateful to have even have you in the community as someone to kind of help us out. Because I know that sometimes people are like, "Oh, why go to Ryerson? If you want to go to med school, why don't you go to Mac? Why don't you go to U of T and stuff?" And like, yeah. um, it's really nice to have someone that's like been there and is going through it right now. So.
1: Well, I, I tell people this all the time. I, you know, I'm such a big supporter of Ryerson and Ryerson culture, just because I think, and I get it's probably not everyone's experience, you know, experiences may vary, I guess, but Ryerson treated me so well. They gave mm-hmm. me all the tools that I needed to succeed. A lot of the professors that I knew there really, they went above and beyond to try and make sure that I was learning the things properly when I was putting in that effort effort myself yeah and I think that anything that I could do to kind of give back and stay involved with the Ryerson community which uh, I've said Ryerson many times throughout this interview you guys don't have an official name yet as best as I know and and my degree says Ryerson so out of habit I've been calling it Ryerson Um, at some point in time when they get a new name we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there but the community that you have whether it's named this or that or this um, is really nice and uh hopefully when you get a medical school i could be even more involved with ryerson right true, at that yeah point very true mind. yeah we, we'll see what happens at, at a later date but uh again thank you for bringing me on here i appreciate the pre-med society anyone else brought me on for bringing them on there and uh thanks a lot yeah of course yeah i try i try to
0: steer it into a more positive direction i think i think you did a pretty good job at that but yeah thank, thank you. you again so much for coming uh Gianluca. I know, like, I, it's it's hard, to, it's hard um, with your time and everything, but you made the time uh, to come by and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And um, yeah, feel free to come by for another discussion. We'll come by
1: when you're maybe a family doctor and stuff. Maybe after Definitely. one of my appointments but and listen just because I, I do YouTube I know the way analytics work right if there was a thousand people to watch this podcast statistically there's like I don't know 110 of you left listening if anyone has any questions in the future you want to reach out you're more than happy to do so or more than welcome to do so in my comment section on YouTube I try to answer back everyone and we'll see you all on the next one yeah all
0: right thank you so much Luca. see you next time
1: no problem, buddy take it easy bye